Hormone replacement therapy. It's a topic that comes up daily in many practices across the U.S. But what do we really know about personalized approaches to initiating HRT in menopausal women? Let's find out today. This is ReachMD Radio, and I am your host, Dr. Prathima Seti. It's my pleasure to have here today Dr. Michelle Warren. Dr. Warren is founder and medical director of the Center of Menopause, Hormonal Disorders, and Women's Health in New York City. She is also a professor in the Department of Medicine and Obstetrics and Gynecology at Columbia Presbyterian Medical Center. And she has written numerous book chapters, articles, and has spoken extensively on the topic of menopause. She also conducts clinical trials and medical research. Dr. Warren, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Dr. Warren, let's start by going over some of the most common symptoms of menopause. And then from there, given your experience, perhaps you can talk to some of the most unusual symptoms that you have seen in your extensive practice. Okay, so the most common symptoms of menopause include hot flashes and night sweats, often insomnia. And these are often accompanied by early in menopause with irregular periods. In fact, that can be the first symptom. Um, The periods become somewhat irregular. And um, moodiness is very common. Patients, of course, complain of fatigue because of all these symptoms. And joint pains, palpitations are not unusual, uh, particularly at night, anxiety. All of this combination of symptoms can lead to a very distressing state. Uh, Occasionally, you get very unusual symptoms, and they include feelings of prickling uh, that go up and down the uh, legs and the arms. You can get somewhat severe joint pains, although this occurs not uncommonly to have mild joint pains. You can get very severe joint pains. And some patients get anxiety, even panic attacks, And in certain situations, particularly in in susceptible patients, you can get uh, depression. There's sexual problems as well with decreased libido and dry skin. So that's about summarizes it. I did have one patient, a couple of patients actually, who had um, uh, seizures when they were young, and they presented uh, at menopause with a sudden increase in their seizures. It was really very interesting because I think the sudden changes in, in hormones, uh, particularly estrogen, that occur at the time of menopause seems to change the chemistry of the brain. And so there can be uh, very bizarre symptoms associated with the onset of these changes. It's interesting that women can have such wide and varied symptoms to the lack of hormones in their system. Yeah, it is. And it's often not recognized because... Uh, What we have on the market in general has been approved for hot flashes, but there really is a cluster of symptoms that occur. Some of the symptoms, other than the hot flashes and night sweats, I think are very important to address because uh, patients find they can't function very well. Another thing that occurs, particularly in the perimenopause, which is very early, is a lack of focus and um, sometimes memory uh, issues with people having trouble with short-term memory and word finding and forgetting names and that sort of thing. All of these symptoms, in, in my opinion, can be treated. So in your opinion, what is the main reason for the lack of prescription of HRT for menopausal women by medical providers? Do you think they just don't recognize it? 
Well, um, that's one of the reasons, particularly early. It's very hard to recognize this cluster of symptoms. As an example, if you have irregular periods in moodiness uh, and in anxiety, that doesn't always ring a bell with physicians. So there is an issue of diagnosis. Um, it isn't until the hot flashes uh, appear that people have an aha moment and realize that this is the onset of menopause. This is particularly true for very young patients. You know, the, the, the attitude is uh, this couldn't possibly be menopause, you're too young. So it is important to look at the whole cluster of symptoms. Palpitations, for instance, I've had a number of patients who have gone to emergency rooms because of their uh, rapid uh, heartbeat, and uh, nothing's been found, but uh, it's when they're treated, all of those symptoms go away. The second reason I think that there's a reluctance to prescribe hormones is that there's been a lot of bad publicity associated with hormones. And in my opinion, it's unjustifiable, really, because since the big study was published in 2002, most of the publications have been very good in terms of reassuring patients. There are risks. They're very small. And for two to five years of treatment, there is really very little risk with the treatment of hormones. The third reason is that we don't teach about menopause in medical school or in training. So if you're interested in the issue and you want to uh, treat patients, you really have to go to conferences or learn about some of the issues. There's been a whole lot of different treatments put forward for menopause, menopausal symptoms. There are a whole lot of different hormones out there. It takes some specialized knowledge. And I think because of all those issues that doctors have gotten discouraged about treating with hormones. So in medical providers who want to start hormones, what are some reasons why they should not? What are your absolute contraindications to initiating hormone replacement therapy? So, yes, they, there, there are contraindications. And obviously, you don't want to give hormones to any estrogen-fueled cancer, such as uh, breast cancer. If a patient has breast cancer, they shouldn't get hormones. Um, there's also a history of blood clots. Blood clots turn out to be the most frequent risk for taking hormones, even though it's very rare. If a patient has a history of blood clots or blood clots in the family, you wouldn't want to give hormones. And that includes both venous clots and arterial clots, such as stroke. If a patient has a recent heart attack or a stroke, you shouldn't give hormones. Liver disease, particularly if the hormones are given orally, uh, it has a big effect on the liver. Those patients shouldn't get hormones. And unexplained vaginal bleeding that hasn't been worked up and explained, those patients shouldn't be given hormones until it's been worked up and, and you know what the bleeding is from to make sure that there's no precancerous state in the uterus. So prior to initiating HRT, do you routinely order any blood tests, and in what situation would you do this? I don't normally order blood tests for patients who go on hormones. There are exceptions, of course, and I think the major exception is the patient who gives me a history of very abnormal blood lipids or cholesterol in the family. And the reason for that is that if you take oral estrogen, it may increase your triglyceride. And triglycerides are a predictor of heart disease in women. And uh, they can go way up with oral estrogen. And in those particular patients, I prefer to use a transdermal 
estrogen or an estrogen that you give through the skin because you won't get this effect. And that's the main reason I would order any any blood tests because I think none of the other blood tests are really helpful in terms of deciding which therapy or or what therapy to use in, in patients. Hmm. Do you use blood tests to monitor response to therapy, or do you basically just treat the symptoms? That's a very good question. I, um, it's interesting that with hormones, we treat symptoms. We don't treat blood levels. And uh, there really is no endpoint for blood levels with treating menopause. You're using very low doses. We use doses, even the standard doses are low doses. And those doses should be enough to treat all of the symptoms of menopause. Now, occasionally you have a patient who doesn't respond, and in that case, particularly if you're giving an oral estrogen, you might want to measure the levels to make sure they're getting adequate absorption. Even with transdermal, sometimes I've had patients who don't seem to be responding, and in those cases I will get an estrogen level. And the levels generally are between 30 and 50 picograms per ml, as an adequate level for the treatment of the menopausal symptoms. But otherwise, estrogen levels and levels are really not that helpful. In situations where patients are not responding, you should really look for other reasons why the patient isn't responding once you know that their estrogen level is okay. But that's so rare, and we use such low doses that uh, measuring levels in general is not going to be helpful. Hmm, that's good to know. HRT comes in many several forms, as you've spoke before with uh, transdermal, oral, vaginal. Uh, is there a route that you generally prefer? Is there a difference? Are there certain instances where you would use one route over another? You know, I have preferences in, in very specific situations. First of all, there is good data suggesting that if you take uh, an estrogen orally, it will change the way the liver produces certain proteins. And the most important proteins are the procoagulants or the substances that cause clotting. And they tend to go up in all women who take estrogens. That includes oral contraceptives. Certain women will have an increased risk with the oral estrogen if you give them oral estrogen. And there's good data suggesting that if you give them transdermal estrogens, you don't get that effect. So in a situation where I think that the patient may be at risk for clotting, I'm not sure there are issues of clots, I will give a transdermal estrogen. And and that includes both venous and arterial clots. I will tend towards a transdermal The issue of the triglycerides I've already spoken about, there are good things about the oral estrogens, however, in that they increase HDL, which is the good cholesterol. So in certain patients who have low HDL, that is a way of increasing the uh, HDL and giving them some protection against the effects of low HDL because that's associated with heart disease as well. So aside from patient preference, which is very important, I will look at those issues, but they tend to be rare. Uh, I think patient preference is very important because otherwise you don't get compliance. It's very important for patients, for instance, if they have a uterus, to also take a progesterone. And certain patients will prefer to take 
a combination of both estrogen and progesterone together so they don't have to remember to uh, take two pills. If you have a uterus, it's very important to take a progesterone because otherwise you can get overgrowth of the lining of the uterus and that can lead to precancerous changes, but that's completely prevented by taking a progestin. So taking the two together is extremely important, and I, I look at patient preference as well. But do you find that both forms of treatment, transdermal and oral, are just as effective in treating symptoms? Yes, I, I think they're definitely equally effective. I, I don't think there's any difference between the two in equivalent doses. It's a little confusing for the physician who hasn't used a lot of, of hormone therapy to know how much progestin to add to the estrogen if you're using an estrogen alone. But in general, there are some rules of thumb that are easy to learn. And once you've gotten used to that, for the standard doses, you use a standard amount of progesterone. And then as you go down, you decrease the dose. But other than that, if you're unfamiliar with using hormones, it's sometimes better to use a combination where the science has been worked out already. If you are just tuning in, you are listening to ReachMD Radio. I am your host, Dr. Prathima Sethi, and I am speaking with Dr. Michelle Warren. We're talking about personalized approaches to initiating HRT in menopausal women. Dr. Warren, how quickly do you see an improvement in symptoms once treatment has been initiated, and how do you monitor these patients? Well, treating these patients is a wonderful thing because they start feeling better within a week. And you can imagine with the symptoms that I've described how wonderful that is for the patient. So it's a very rewarding thing. The maximum effect occurs at 12 weeks. So if you're using very low doses, it may take a little bit longer, three to five to six weeks before you start seeing an improvement. As a rule of thumb, I like to tell patients if I believe the symptoms are severe, we're going to use a standard dose, and eventually, as you get better, we can talk about decreasing the dose if you want. And the standard doses, you'll get an effect within a week. So patients uh, improve very rapidly. How often do you see those patients back in your office? Okay, so follow-up uh, I think is very important because everybody's different, and some patients are very sensitive to medication, so I see them in two months, and if everything's okay, I will see them at twice a year, every six months. The reason I'm concerned about certain subgroups of patients is that the progestin or even the progesterone that's on the market causes some moodiness and PMS-like symptoms in sensitive patients. If you start them on both hormones and they happen to have that kind of reaction, they will become very distressed or they'll stop their therapy and feel that the uh, treatment isn't helping them. So in fact, in some very sensitive patients who may appear depressed or have a history of depression, I will start the estrogen alone first, and then I will add the progesterone after a month because I am concerned that some patients will get a reaction to the progestin or the natural progesterone that's on the market they're very sensitive, and uh, every patient is different, and it's ex really ex important to individualize therapy. So you talked a little bit about the common side effects. Uh, what are some of the other side effects that you see with HRT, and how do you treat those? Okay, well, the common side effects include breast tenderness and sometimes some irregular vaginal bleeding. 
if you start a combination therapy, vaginal bleeding or occasional spotting may be normal in the first three months. After that, it needs evaluation. In patients who are very near the early phase of their menopause, you need to sometimes put them on cyclic therapy. In other words, you have an estrogen that they take every day, and then you add a progestin for 10 days or two weeks out of the month, depending on which progestin you're using. And that is to prevent too much irregular bleeding, because at that stage, very early in menopause, the ovaries are still occasionally making estrogen. I tell my patients, your ovaries are still sputtering. And with this flood of estrogen that occurs intermittently, they can get some breakthrough bleeding. So those are the two main side effects, the breast tenderness and the irregular bleeding. Sometimes I will decrease the dose of estrogen to deal with the bleeding, and that works very well. And you can also decrease the progestin. The other things that occur sometimes are headaches, although for the most part, the migraine that occurs at the time of menopause will improve with treatment. And the uh, joint pains will improve, and all of the symptoms that I've, I've mentioned will improve. So in general, except for the PMS-like symptoms, the breast tenderness and the irregular bleeding, I don't get too many side effects. Dr. Warren, thank you so much for joining me today. That was a wonderful review on hormone replacement initiation in menopausal women. You're quite welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. I am your host, Dr. Prathima Sethi, and you've been listening to ReachMD Radio. If you missed any part of this discussion, please visit ReachMD.com to download this podcast. Thank you for listening.